I'm Angela Kelly Robeck, host of the Empowered Principal Podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. and welcome to another great episode of My EdTech Life. Thank you so much for joining us on this beautiful Saturday, wherever in the world it is that you may be. I hope that your Saturday morning is wonderful. If it's evening, I hope that you're having a great evening. Or maybe if it's Sunday, I hope you're having a great start to your day. But anywhere in the world that you're joining us from, Thank you so much for making My EdTech Life what it is today. As you know, our mission, our vision, and our passion is to connect educators one show at a time and, of course, to continue to move the education needle forward and improving the education landscape. But today, I am so excited because we have a wonderful guest and he is amazing. He definitely brings a lot of energy. Uh, we recently shared uh, the Wakelet Community Week, not together, but on separate uh, you know, presentations. And he definitely brought the heat as well as, you know, he's doing some terrific work with math. He's doing some terrific work with EdTech integration. And I just absolutely love his demeanor, his attitude, and his passion. So I'm really excited to bring you today here live, Mr. Alex Isaacs. Alex, how are you doing this morning? Well, what could be better than this, spending my Saturday morning you know, talking ed tech with someone who I really look up to? I'm, I'm so happy to be here. My first day of summer break, so I had a I had a wonderful, memorable year at Red Bank Middle School in Red Bank, New Jersey, as I'm a eighth grade math teacher. And, you know, this is just such a I've been saying this a lot recently, but just another dream come true where I'm a part of such a great program, a great podcast. And I'm just excited for the conversation today. I'm really excited for this great conversation. And of course, we're going to get into it, um, you know, it, really the topic is, I, I'm just curious because I see your passion and I see what you do as well as other educators and really fostering just a great community through the use of ed tech and, you know, how you implement that into your classroom and especially with math, which is something that sometimes and what I've seen, at least in, in my area, that a lot of math teachers are a little bit reluctant to implement some, uh, you know, just ed tech platforms into their courses. So I'm just curious to note a little bit more of how you're uh, able to do that. But before we do that, as always, Alex, you, you're, you've seen the show. Everybody that I bring on to me is somebody that I look up to, somebody that's doing some great, you know, stuff in their practice. And for me, it's almost like, they're a superhero, and I love to hear that origin story. So, Alex, if you can share with us just a little bit of background as far as your road into education. Was it something that you always wanted to do, or was this something that was a pivot at some point within your thought process of careers? Well, thank you again for the introduction, all your kind words. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, for me, my, my real first time working with children, working with kids was when I was really just a kid. I was in high school. I went to a Catholic high school, Christian Brothers Academy, where part of our, you know, yearly commitment to being, you know, faithful, you know, uh, good young individuals was to provide volunteer service, multiple hours. And I got involved with something called the Challengers Program, where I worked with students with special needs to play baseball and basketball. And, um, it just had such an impact on me seeing those kids smile when I was around them. I felt like I, I was really able to connect with many of them in a, in a short amount of time. And, and it just really felt good to be able to give back in that way because it was always something very near and dear to my heart where I feel like I, if, if you can provide care to those individuals and make them feel good, that's about as good as it gets in this world. So, you know, that happened to me in my, in my early teens. And then I, I had a very, I have a very successful father, David Isaacs, who worked his way up on Wall Street, and he was a businessman. And I saw the success that he, that he, you know, accomplished. And I said, you know what? That's what I want to do. I want to make that money. I want to be a powerful guy. And, you know, I, I, I then kind of pivoted towards working towards accounting, and and I got an accounting uh, bachelor's degree where. 
I wasn't really passionate about it. I, I went through the motions, I would say, so to speak, in college, got great grades, you know, did very well, graduated with honors and, and, and felt good about that. But, uh, you know, at the conclusion of my, of my undergrad uh, degree, I, I kind of got blindsided by my mother taking her, having a health issue, taking a turn for the worse, um, where, you know, she got incredibly sick and, and it, it got to the point where she was in home care. And, um, it basically just became where she and I would have these very long, deep conversations. And I think more than anything, my mother saw my ability to connect with kids, my ability to form good relationship with kids. And, you know, one of her final things that she told me was she said, you should be a teacher, you know, go back, get your master's degree, uh, be a teacher and make an impact and, and be around kids. And I, I think back to why she kind of told me that. Uh, I don't know if she saw me as a businessman like my father, but you know, she told me that I loved my mother very much. I love my mother very much, even though she did unfortunately pass away. And I, I try to honor her by following through on that. I got my master's degree in education from Monmouth University in New Jersey, nearby where I live. And, and since then, it's just been me trying to have a great impact on kids and be a person that they can look up to and a person that will listen to them. And um, so it, it definitely, I had the seeds planted very early on in my life. And then it kind of took a couple twists and turns to the point where I really finally realized in, in, you know, in my 20s that this is what I want to do. And this is the kind of thing, this is the kind of impact that I want to have on children and, and the community at large. That is great. Thank you so much for sharing that and really getting personal. Um, you know, it, it's it seems interesting how you and I have a very parallel road and, you know, even talking, you know, pre-show, just the same thing with me. You know, my dad became ill. and I just needed that time uh, or a job that would afford me more time and especially being an only child to care, you know, for my parents, be there readily available. And, you know, we went into teaching and here we are today. And so I'm really excited because, again, you know, you're getting a lot of love here. We've got John Woodward, who's joining us from Temple ISD. We've got Lois also who's joining and we've got Amy. Uh, you know, they're just showing a lot of love here. And I'm really excited. Thank you so much for joining us this morning as uh, we get to chat with Alex. Um, so Alex, now that you decided to make that transition into education, just describe a little bit about at least how your first year, first day, maybe, okay, we'll go with first day and first year experience went and how maybe some of those business elements that you learned were very useful to you um, to implement into your classroom to create, you know, community or engagement. Well, I, I look back on my first year now saying, you know, I wish I knew what I know now. And I think we can all say that as teachers. I wish I, wish I could go back to that first year and, and be as competent as I, as I am now with tech. I wish I could have made my lessons a little bit more engaging, a little bit more fun. Now, I do feel like I had a lot of fun with my first year uh, group of students where I taught sixth grade science and, and um, fifth and sixth grade math. Uh, it was it was a whirlwind of a year. There was a lot of tumult at the school that I was at. There was a lot of infighting. It was really quite insane. But in the end, I kept in mind my main goal throughout that year was I'm going to form connections with these kids and I'm going to show them that I care very much about them. You know, we had uh, a hurricane go through here, Hurricane Sandy, where even years later, this town that I worked in was still being impacted by that storm. It was a, uh, a lot of people were working as, you know, clamors, fishermen, things along those lines. They had businesses that were down near the shore and, and the entire community was basically just flooded and ruined beyond, you know, all repair where places were abandoned, things along those lines. So I knew these kids were struggling and, and a lot of them were having a tough time. So for me, I said to myself, this first year is going to be about making relationships and really seeing what I can do in my first full-time position. And what I, what I really just tried to do was take off of their plate the things that I felt were taking time away from meaningful learning. So for me, I was you know, kind of teaching middle school math. It, was, it went up to sixth grade at this school, so I deemed that almost to be like an elementary school, but I was teaching middle school math in a 40-minute block. So you know, the, the note taking, all those kinds of things, I felt like that was kind of taking away from the learning. So what I decided to do then was just really implement what I thought was great tech at the time, which was making Microsoft Word note slides, notes pages, where at least they had those guided notes for them. It provided them that level of support. 
I actually did kind of get involved with doing some QR codes that year. That was my level of innovation at the time where I was providing either video or audio to them with QR codes. And it just, I got such great feedback from the parents saying, you know, we hadn't seen this done before and we really enjoyed how you implemented this. And I formed some great bonds with those kids and, and it just was a whirlwind. Um, but I made some great relationships with people that I'm still close to, even though I'm no longer at that school. And it just helped me grow so much as an educator because it was almost like the line in New York. If you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. And, and, and since then, I've been lucky enough to be at two different schools where it's just been very harmonious and, and, and supportive. And um, I just look back on that first year of saying, you know, I wish I would have known a little bit more, but I'm very proud of how I did take risks. And, and um, I just remember doing a daily class dojo message and, and, and my, the parents there loved it. There were no misconceptions about what was due. Students knew exactly what was due, as did the parents. Everybody was on the same page. They said, we love this. We would love to see all the teachers do this. So, you know, that, those were my little tips and tricks that first year that kind of helped me survive. And I, I, I couldn't be more proud of the kids that I, that I taught over there in Highlands, New Jersey. <laughs> That's wonderful, Alex. And, you know, again, a similar parallel. I came in also, I started off high school math and then went uh, fifth and sixth grade math. And science. So again, it's kind of, you know, interesting there. A couple of things that I want to highlight, you know, and I love what you said. And I think to me, this is a, a once I made that transition kind of from high school into elementary, high school, I, I mean, I had my students for 90 minutes and it was only for half a semester because of the block scheduling. So, I mean, it was just constant rotation of students. But when I moved into elementary, I had my kiddos all year long. And so I think that's where I really honed in a lot more of those skills that I learned. But one thing that I did learn that I love that you mentioned is knowing your students and seeing what you can take off of their plate. And we all know that students, they have lives outside of school. And sometimes we don't know what may be going on at, uh, you know, outside of school. But we might have gotten a glimpse of that during pandemic as students are learning from home and now us as teachers, we're guests in their home during these lessons. And, you know, a lot of them may have not or may not have the best environment outside. So I love that you take that into account, that as a student comes in, you kind of feel them out, you know, you know, building that relationship and see what you can take off of their plate. And the other thing that I love that you mentioned is the risk taking. I think that is something that is wonderful and it's so important for teachers to have a, an environment, that psychological safety, that, that, you know, environment where they can go ahead and take a risk. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it's okay. Let's go ahead and just, you know, fix that, improvise, adapt, overcome, but in a way where it's not going to be punitive, in a way where you're being innovative, you're pushing the envelope to help the students and engage the students. So those are some two things that, that I really want to highlight. So talk to me a little bit about that as far as, you know, your student relationships, you know, taking some things off those plates, if you don't mind giving us some examples. Well, I mean, the examples are, are so much more prevalent over the last two and a half years or so. And you know, as well as anybody else with what these kids have experienced, the, the isolation, the um, the sometimes having to just be completely alone for a day, hours on end where your, your parent or guardian is going to work. And, um, it's, it's something that, you know, I was teaching at a Catholic school as a STEM teacher and an amazing year. I mean, my two years at St. Benedict Catholic school, um, I, I've never formed relationships with students like that. I mean, I think part of the reason was I was the only male teacher in the entire school. It was myself and the principal. We were the only male, uh, you know, real teacher administrator in the entire school. So I think that me knowing about the video games that they were into, it, it just it just allowed me to springboard into really delving and getting to know them, what they were interested in, and then kind of tailoring my activities based on that. But when everything changed on March 13th for me personally, where we all just said, all right, we're going home and, and you know, we're not going to see each other anymore. I was not required to teach live. Specials, specials classes were not required to teach live at my school. We were being asked to create activities for our students that were basically optional if they wanted to take part and they could, if they didn't, that's okay. We wanted to focus on the core, core subject. So the first video I sent to them the, the night of all of us going home was 
you know, guys, I, I know that we're, we're you know, this is going to be a completely crazy time in education, but we're all in this together. And I encourage each and every one of you to, to benefit in one way at the end of this time. Take something away from this. Give, give yourself one measurable and attainable smart goal that you could take away from this and that you can really build on. And for me, I said to myself, I am going to take on the challenge of creating engaging content and being like I'm in my kids' homes, live and direct, even though I might not be. So, you know, I, I took it upon myself to create an episodic video series, Adventures in At-Home Learning with Mr. Isaacs and Mr. Bear. And, and the only reason why I did that was for the fun of the kids. And, 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 and I had some of the most meaningful emails that I've ever received were parents saying to me, you made it feel like it was normal for a little while. You made my kids laugh again. And I was, I was teaching kids from first to eighth grade. So I'm thinking to myself, how do I create something that keeps in mind what they're into, but also at the same time, take off of their plate all of the emotion and the inundation of information that was coming at them and the completely different environment that they were in. So I just tried to give them that overall sense of normalcy coming back. And I did that through my humor. I did that through care. I did that through, you know, creating virtual classrooms for the first time with my Bitmoji, including audio and really authentic, fun activities involving Minecraft and, and Tinkercad and, um, and Roblox, getting into that gamification. And, and, you know, a lot of people, the, the pandemic and COVID, it, it, it hurt them. Their talents weren't able to be on display. For whatever it's worth, it allowed me to shine. It allowed the true educator in me to shine. And it allowed me to make a difference in my kids' lives more effectively. And, and you know, while it, it, it took time away from me and my partner, who is Lois Alston watching right now, she's my partner for life and she's the best and amazing ed tech specialist as well. You know, it allowed me to grow uh, at, at a very rapid rate because I didn't have to teach live, but I was learning how to use all these different tools in my spare time. So I started with Seesaw and Formative and iMovie and and all it allowed me to do was make kids' lives a little bit more palatable, a little bit better. And again, take that off of their plate, that pain, that, that, that strange feeling. And also at the same time, take off of their plate, having to just do rote work, giving them those opportunities to be creative. And despite those activities being optional, I had hundreds of submissions each week, utilizing Flipgrid, utilizing you know Google Slides, uh, Minecraft again, Tinkercad. The parents were loving it. I was loving it. The kids were enjoying it. And um, it was just, it was just, it was a thrill for me because it, it really helped me grow as an educator. And now I'm taking those things and implementing it back in a math class for the first time. And I, I couldn't be more happy with that. You know, that sounds so great. Everything that you did. I mean, it, just hearing you, I got excited and I'm not even going to lie. Like it really, it really hit, you know, in a different way because you know, just the passion that you are sharing and it's just coming through and what you were willing to go out and do, taking those risks, like you said, maybe not knowing a platform very well yet, yet, but then you jumped right in. And more than anything, because you had that end goal in mind to make, you know, mo to make something for the students, to help them, to bring a smile to their face, to get them excited amongst, you know, during this time, you know, that of uncertainty and all this time that was happening. So. Thank you so much. I really want to say thank you for, you know, doing everything that you did and going above and beyond and creating this because, you know, sometimes we may think that what we may do is is something small, but for me seeing and hearing it from you, this is something big for for students because I've worked with students that have needed that kind of level of engagement that that needed that joy, that needed that happiness and for you to be able to bring that to them. In that situation, that's something that's great and memorable, valuable, and you created a learning experience for them that is going to be memorable, that it's not rote memorization, like we talked about rote work, but it's something that is going to become part of them, that as they continue to move through the years, those skills that they gained, although they saw it as just having fun, but those skills are going to be easily transferable through the following grades. And more than anything, they're always going to have that memory of what you did about going above and beyond. So thank you so much. And along those lines too, all the risk that you took, like we just talked about, you didn't know many platforms, but you jumped right in. So let me ask you, as far as, you know, the risk taking is concerned and, and 
you know, using or selecting certain uh, ed tech to use. What is your thought process on that? Because we may have a lot of teachers out there at this current time that, you know, were, are still, you know, overwhelmed with so much that is out there. How did you pick and choose what was best for you and what was best for your students? Well, I think first and foremost, the thing that I keep in mind is, will my kids like this? <laughs> because I think that if you're throwing a platform at them that they're not enjoying, it's going to be more of a challenge to get them to really uh, have buy-in, have buy-in and really want to contribute some great responses. So the first thing that I'm always keeping in mind with regard to a platform or a tool is, is, is this something that the kids will enjoy? Is it enhancing my instruction? I think that you know, the big trend right now, I believe, is gamification. I'm a huge fan of BlueKit and GimKit. Uh, those are two of my staples that I use in class. But we also need to keep in mind is, is the engagement contributing to retention, uh, memorable moments? Because if it's not and kids are just clicking around and, okay, I'm playing Fishtopia and I'm going to go get an Epic Fish for $100 right now and I'm going to win this game, you know, then we're starting to lose sight of what the end goal is. And I'm always trying to name my objective, work my way backwards, get to that end goal. So for me, it's, it's, is it relevant? Is it enjoyable for the kids? Is it something that increases accessibility? You know, at my school, I have a lot of L's. I've, I've worked at a, a variety of schools with diverse learners, diverse sets of needs, especially after these last two years where, you know, there's a, there's a wide array of skills, needs, et cetera, where I want something that will be either translated into my students' native language with one click. And that's why I've absolutely fallen in love with Moat. They're adding that in. And something that's also going to be a platform or a tool that parents are, are, are really enjoying, that they're going to have a strong buy-in with. Because again, for me, it's about everybody kind of being on the same page. I'm always very transparent of my expectations. What is due? When is it due? Uh, what I, what, you know, providing modeling in video screencasts or audio instructions where, you know, I feel like Okay, I'm providing all this to a student, but what this is going to allow is regardless of what's going on in their household, as long as they have a cell phone or something along those lines, some piece that they can connect to a video, they're going to be in pretty good shape. They're going to have me with them because I think that not only does the voice of a teacher who proves that they care about you, you know, can provide that comfort to a child at home where, where they might be struggling, but I always tell my kids, I said, you're going to have me wherever you go. It's just a matter of what you do with me. It's a matter of, are you going to hear me? Are you going to scan this QR code? Are you going to click play on this moat message? Are you going to review this uh, weekly collection that is filled with all my resources? Or are we going to, you know, decide to just say, nah, I'm just going to kind of wing it here and do the best I can. So, you know, for me, it's just really about promoting tools that allow students to best succeed, that they enjoy, that the parents will hop on board with, and that, it's something that you feel would be effective for other teachers where I could bring it to my team at, at Red Bank Middle School and hopefully that they decide to implement it in their class because, you know, the word that I've kept in mind since having this dream of becoming an ed tech specialist is impact. And, and I just had the opportunity in a couple of different instances this year to have an impact beyond my classroom, to have an impact school-wide, district-wide. And, and on Twitter, I've had the opportunity to have kind of an impact worldwide where you know, I'm connecting with people in India, Namya Joshi. I'm sure you know her very well. Mm -hmm. It's just been, it's just been amazing to, to, to kind of just keep in mind that end goal for myself now in my professional career is I want to have an impact. I want people to hear my voice. I want people to, you know, take from me, take my templates, use them, make them their own. And, and really just, you know, one of the biggest thrills I get is seeing people take one of my Canva or Google slides templates and, and remixing. You know, I got to give a shout out to Donna Shees who did an amazing job with one of my templates, I believe, for around Christmas time. And, you know, it just it, it coming as we spoke in the pre-show, coming from an individual who last August had 82 followers and was in relevant obscurity, even though I'm kind of tweeting out the same exact stuff. It's just been so amazing to me to grow my PLN and, and meet individuals who are stellar at their jobs, such as yourself, such as people in the chat, Mel, everybody else, you know. I, it's just, it's insane for me. I can't believe it because I spent so long kind of being in obscurity going, what am I doing wrong? And then I kind of had a, a switch kind of go for me going, I'm kind of just showing what I can do. How about if I start sharing everything with everybody and show them what they can do? And, and since that, that switch has kind of happened with me, which happened at the beginning of this last school year, 
it's just taken off. And, and now I almost view my Twitter as like a side hustle where I am not only trying to grow, but I'm also trying to help others because I feel like I've developed a very good repertoire for hybrid and remote learning. So I'm just always promoting tech tools that I'm passionate about and, you know, sharing virtual classrooms that have everything in one place and sharing my video techniques with others. And, and it's just been so fun to be able to build on that and just really, really show what I can do to teachers, students, and administrators alike, and of course, ed tech specialists. That's great. And, you know, and that's something that I have seen. I've seen you grow and, you know, and you're right. You know, I, I've seen you, the amazing work that you've done. When you said when you had few followers, I still knew who you were because we were connected some way, shape or form, either through mail or, you know, one of the global GEGs and during that time. And now to see what you're doing has just been something that is amazing. And I love what you said. It's just simply just going out there, putting it out there, sharing it and, you know, just overcoming that imposter syndrome, because I think a lot of times teachers, they're doing some great things, but they always feel like, oh, no, well, this isn't as good as a or this isn't as good as him, her, you know, them and so on and so forth. And but it's just a matter of sharing. And like you said, you know, you're putting your heart into this, you're giving it out, you're sharing it and people are using it. And again, you're not replacing what they're doing. But like what I love to do is I just say like, hey, you, it's just a little bit of extra seasoning to add to what you already do great. And then you remix that lesson and you serve it up to your kiddos and see, you know, how well it goes. But, you know, I, I really want to thank you for that work that you do, because as oftentimes in education, you know, I, I think I'm happy that hopefully those silos are, are we're getting rid of those silos as you, you know, brick and mortar. My experience has always been it's like, OK, I, I know I'm teaching and co-teaching, but the other teacher would always like hide her copies like she'd come out from the copy machine and she'd be hiding what she's making a copy of. I'm like, okay, no big deal. It's like, we're working in silos. I'm doing my thing with Chromebooks. And I'm like, I've got the kids in the hall. They're working with Chromebooks. Classroom's always open and everything. And, but even then, like, it's like, no, no, you can't see what I'm doing. I was like, okay, but I love what you're doing. And it should be an example to everybody. And there's so many educators here, like Mel, who's here joining us. Uh, we've got Lois, we've got uh, Amy also. They're constantly sharing and sharing tips. And that's, a, that's you know, what it's all about. You know, sharing means caring. And you just continue to grow and, you know, take that awesome sauce that you guys are taking, using and, and doing and just kind of make it your own. And that's amazing. Uh, I had a question here that John Woodward and, uh, you know, I want to go ahead and put this up here. And John says, I'm curious to what strategies you've used when introducing an EdTech tool or activity that hasn't worked. Well, I will say, I, I, as much as, uh, you know, this is going to hurt me to say this because I'm going to say the platform where it just did not work for this activity. But I, I, I kind of have to blame the, the cook, not, not, the, not the, you know, people actually trying to eat this food that I threw at them. So I did create a graphing, a graphing activity on Seesaw, and I loved it. I thought it was amazing. The thing that I didn't keep in mind was that you know, while I'm highly skilled at using the line tool and making it look perfectly straight through two dots that I then took a pen tool and made it the dot one point larger in the font size and all these different little intricate things that I said, okay, well, they're going to be able to pick up and run with it. You know, they, they have experience on Seesaw, the platform, but as I'm watching them do it, I'm realizing it just, it wasn't working. It, it was not working. It was too arduous to actually just perform, you know, create a graph for a linear uh, function. And as I saw my kids, you know, some of them did a great job and then they were, they were okay. But then there were others that were just like, this is more of a, like an imposition than actually helping me learn this. So right there on the spot, I said, all right, guys, you know, if you did this already, great job. I'm very proud of you that you were able to implement and complete this mini activity here, but I'm going to run make copies right now. We're going to do a paper and pencil graphing with rulers and there are certain instances in math where I do kind of break away from the tech and graphing is one of those instances if I'm not using Desmos at this point. So I said to myself, I got to stop this right now. It's time for me to, you know, as much as I love Seesaw, I'm not going to take it personal. I realize this is not contributing to an environment where the, 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 the content is becoming memorable. What it was, was the struggle with the tool. And at that point, I'm saying, no, no, no. I, I, I created an activity that was not as meaningful as it should have been. So right there on the spot, you know, for those students who are not as, as proficient with that line tool, those dots, those, those everything else that I threw at them, I had copies ran off and then they were appreciative of that. And, and then I kind of made that switch when it came to graphing activities 
to try to really offer that choice. And, and, and that's, that's really what, there's been two main things that I've taken away from those lessons that don't work. A, provide choice to my students where they get the opportunity to share their voice in a way that they're comfortable and, and find suitable to them. And B, just really promoting that student work. I, I, I've been so in the, in the habit of using Wakelet to promote my student work and show the amazing things that are going on at Red Bank Middle School that, I, you know, those have been the two main things that I'm keeping in mind. But I am not, I do not have an ego to the point where, maybe a little one, but not to that point where I am saying, no, I created this lesson. You're going to do it. You're not going to get out of this seesaw right now. And, and I think that my kids are all the more appreciative of that because you know, I want to know how they feel live and direct. Are you liking how this is going? What don't you like? I run climate surveys at the e end of each of my trimesters asking. I literally list each platform with a PNG of it. I go, rate it on one to five. Why do you feel that way? And then I'm trying to tailor my instruction based on that. So, you know, I, I always try to keep their voices, their hearts in mind because I feel like you get stronger buying, and 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 I think that that's what it's all about. If the kids don't like you, I think it's going to be a tough time learning from you. So, again, I'll circle back to that relationships first, and never making it where well, I made this, you're going to use it, you're going to do it. I I, I am very cognizant of on the fly what's working, what's not, and if it's not working, I'm lucky enough to have co-teachers in the room with me where I'm going to go run and make a copy, or I'm going to you know, hop them onto IXL or some other platform where it's just a little bit more straightforward as compared to having to create like they are on some of the other platforms. Great, great. And that's what John said, you know, absolutely wonderful the way you read the room. And that's about, you know, it's that business sense. What I always say, it's like improvise, adapt and overcome. You're able to read the room. But the fact that you also have that relationship, like you said, we, we always circle back to that. And I love that relationships before content or content or, you know, connections before content, because that's important. But the fact that they're able to give you feedback and just say, hey, Mr. Isaacs, you know, this this isn't this isn't quite working. And for you to say, all right, no worries. Let's go ahead and see what else we can do. I think that's very important. And oftentimes I understand that, you know, there are some timelines and you have to be at a certain point in a curriculum and so on. And sometimes for a teacher, this, no, well, this is the way it's done. This is the way we're always going to do it. And that's it. Well, I mean, you've just lost that student. You've lost that engagement because they're not learning the way that they need to learn. And you're getting, but they're giving you that feedback saying, sir, this, this isn't quite working. And you say, well, too bad. No, like, I, I love the fact that you give them that choice. And of course, you, you know, your climate surveys are wonderful also to be able to check out and see, hey, what's working, what's not. And Oftentimes, I think that could be a little, you know, for a teacher, it could be like, ah, like, do I really want to know what my students think? But sometimes we have to turn the mirror on ourselves and say, hey, you know what, Let, let's see what I can do to improve, even if it's just one little bit at a time. So that's something that's important. So I want to jump into math a little bit here because math is one of my things that I love that that I, you know, working with. But what are some of the tools that you currently use to make your math courses more engaging? I know that you mentioned Desmos. Are there any other strategies uh, or platforms that you're using currently just to bring that level of engagement just a little bit, you know, and maybe even creativity also allowing students to create as well and take ownership of their learning? What have been your go to's recently? Uh, my go-to's pretty much for, for over a year now that they just keep building and growing and make, get more amazing is number one, Wakelet. I mean, you know, we, we were both at Wakelet Community Week. Um, I saw you speak, you know, I, it was just, it, it's so great to be a part of a, of a, of a platform that not only does so much, keeps improving, but also allows you to do so much as far as showcasing student work. And, and that's been the main thing. And, and right in line with, with Wakelet are the two you know, for me, top integrations on there, or maybe three, excuse me. So for me, you know, the, the ones that have become my main go-tos as far as creativity, there are so many, you know, I, I could be here for hours as far as sharing my tech tools, but I'll try to keep it brief. As far as creativity goes in my math class, I've been using Adobe Express and Canva. Uh, those have been really great tools for me to let my students shine, uh, really allow, because I have so many artistic students. I have so many students or into anime and graphics and, and, and digital design that I, I, I feel like I should have incorporated those two from so much earlier on this year, but I, I just didn't really know how much you could do with those. So not only were those given students the opportunity to get to that higher level of Bloom's taxonomy and the create levels, but it also just kind of was like a running portfolio where I had them creating and adding new word problems that they were 
being asked to create. It could involve me falling off the side of a building, which I presented at Wakelet where I was going to get a soccer ball. And my guy Cesar decided to make me fall off the side of the building again. You know, th this is the type of relationship I have with them. They know they can have me falling off a building and I will laugh and still give them a fine grade as long as the content is good. So Canva and Adobe have really been great for the creation side. But, you know, for me, in addition to Wakelet, as far as, you know, two integrations that have just been amazing on that platform are, are Moat and, and Flipgrid. Um, I kind of took a break from Flipgrid. Uh, I don't know why. I feel like last year we were mostly virtual. I should have done it. Uh, this year we were in person. I still should have done it. I only did it at the end when I was doing my mind math moment movement uh, with my team at Red Bank Middle School. Um, so, you know, Flipgrid allowing students to have those 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 AR filters and the different backgrounds. And, you know, if a kid wants to just do almost like a podcast type deal, they don't feel comfortable being on camera. They could do audio only. And then for me, the, the, the platform as well, Moat, I mean, for me with my students who a lot of a lot of parents, family members, they, they speak Spanish as their native language. The new transcription feature has just been a, a complete game changer for me. And, and, and I'm very cognizant of accessibility. So that platform just allows me to develop not only that level of accessibility, but also that connection where, you know, I sent a moat message to my student Carlos yesterday and I received an email back that was so heartfelt and so poignant. And, uh, it's just, it's making these memories. It's, it's making these memories for me as a teacher, you know, last couple of years, it's, it's been a blur and, and there's been a lot of, I got to tell you, I remember very little of teaching virtually. And I think that's the case because I wasn't around the kids. I was, and I wasn't. Now that I'm back this last year, everything is so memorable. The bonds were able to be stronger and, and to know that me just simply going, Hey, you know, I'm an admission man. And I'm so proud of everything you did this year. And you know, when you make it big in soccer, I want you to holler at me. And for him to write back, you know, you have no idea how much that moat message meant. And it, it just, it makes my heart sing because I know that some of my kids are struggling and I've seen it firsthand on a near daily basis that there are some kids that are just having a tough time. So for them to hear my voice, instead of me going, you know, sitting here typing an email going, I hope you're hanging in. I hope you're doing okay. To have that connection with them. It's just been a, a really great tool. And now that I can add my audio moats into Wakelet and really provide explanations or higher accessibility on those, it's just really synthesized to form these very aesthetically pleasing, engaging collections that I feel teachers can take something away from. And my kids are saying, we want to see the Wakelet collection. So, you know, that day when once a kid told me that, I said, okay, PNG of Wakelet, right in my virtual classroom, you click on it, you're going to the Math Musings newsletter with my math moment. And it's just been, it's just been so fun to see that. Um, and, and those are my main platforms. So Canva, Adobe Express, uh, uh, Flipgrid, Moat, Wakelet, you know, formative. I'm a big fan of formative. You know, my kids like the fact that I can click a button and then they're being told if they're right or wrong in real time. But there are so many that, that I enjoy, you know, Nearpod as well. Nearpod has been an amazing platform for me to really keep uh, uh, tabs on my kids, even in person, and then showing maybe misconceptions to the entire class and really have those collaborative discussions. So I know I listed a lot, but those are all ones that I would say, if you're just starting off and not to mention extra bonus with Wakelet, I feel like that kind of propelled me to develop my PLN. I mean, Amy and, and James over there, everyone, frankly, everyone who is at that company is always very gracious, very kind. And, and it helped me build and, and become more well-known. And I always keep them in mind for that. And I've been lucky enough to be able to present on Moat and Amanda Fox is the, Cam the Canva classroom. That was, a, a, that was a great opportunity for me where I got to show how to make a virtual classroom with Canva. So those would be my top tools that I would say, you know, really look into it, especially with Wakelet where you could throw everything in one place and kids don't have to go clicking around. And the added bonus of having your voice right on there with Moat. I, I think that those would be the best right there. Huge. That is a great list. Thank you so much for sharing that, Alex, because those are definitely some great tools to have in the teacher tool belt. Or, of course, like I always say, that's some great seasoning to what you already do great that you can definitely serve up for some def uh, def uh, definite engagement. So I'm really excited about that. Well, Alex, our, our time here is kind of winding down, and I've just been very thankful for really just I am in awe and just have been enjoying 
just the passion, everything that you've been sharing, how you are with your students, how you are personally, and how this really, really means a lot to you and what you're doing. And I just want to let you know that I am honored to have you here to share that passion where you can share this to with all our viewers and all our listeners that will either watching live or that will be catching the show later on and that they can definitely follow you and just to continue to grow your, you know, the PLF, you know, the personal learning family, just to continue yeah. to grow because that's what it is. It's a family. And I love, I love every minute of it. And I thank you so much. But before we go, we definitely need to wind down here with my three favorite questions to ask my guests. So here we go, Alex, are you ready? I, I'm ready to go. All right, go. here we go. In the current state of education, what would you say is your current edu kryptonite? I would say, you know, I I had thought about this question a little bit. I'm I'm I, I really try to keep the ego out of it. I really do. I, I feel like I am a bit of a perfectionist as far as something. Ha you know, I see that that is one micrometer off to the left. I can't have that. That has. I have to see that red line on Canva going directly through the middle. I feel like I'm going to really make an effort next year, you know, dependent on my position. I'm going to really make an effort to use what I've already created and stop tweaking so much. I feel like I kind of get wrapped up in this idea of I've got to do more. I've got to innovate. I've got to, I've got to now make this even better. And I took all of my virtual classrooms from last year and revamped all of them this year. Now I said to myself, I said, I'm not going to do it again this year because I feel like, okay. These are about as good as it's going to get. I don't know what else I could do, but I feel like that whole thinking that everything has to be just in a certain way, I'm realizing more and more by the day that only I am seeing these things. So I have to kind of take a step back and just really focus on, okay, my end goal is getting these kids to understand this content. My end goal is getting these teachers to better understand this tech tool and understand how to use my template. I'm going to really just try to focus on the content first and then the printing and preening stuff. If I have the time, I'm going to kind of go after that a little bit more. But for me, it's about I'm really going to focus on developing myself, building myself up as an educator, you know, and, and spending a little less time with the perfectionism and frankly, the amount of certifications that I'm going after. I'm now trying to now pinpoint ones that are most pertinent to what my goals are the populations that I'm dealing with, the demographics. So, so those are going to be the two main things that at this point I am weak. I am weak with the amount that I have put in to my resources, my Twitter game, my, my, my certifications where, you know, I, I made an Adobe graphic recently where it's one of my smart goals this summer was to detach from technology at least two days a week. And I'm going to do everything I can to really follow through on that because I feel like I've gotten to the point where it's, it's taken up too much of my time. I want to enjoy my summer with my partner and her kids. I want to go out with friends and I just want to really have a good time this summer. So I think that those are the main things that I'm going to keep in mind that could be a weakness. I will say this fun fact, this is quite the joke here, but I have a couple of friends who say my, my EDU kryptonite is my font selection. They say that my fonts are always very all over the place, too many fonts. So I do also have a population out there who know me that say, I think those fonts are a little too wild for this activity. So there's that as well. But I, I'm going to go with the ones that I shared with you. I just wanted to give a little nod to the people who think I do a little too much with fonts. Nice, nice. Hey, <laughs> you, that's all good. All right. <laughs> Next question, Alex. If you could have a billboard with anything on it, what would it be and why? Well, I have this, uh, I have this on my Twitter banner. Um, it's, it's keep doing it the best you can. Um, my episodic video series, Adventures in At-Home Learning, I, I chose just the 10 of us. I don't know how many people out there are familiar with that show from the late 80s, but it was basically in the intro song, it was just keep on doing it the best you can. And that was kind of the mantra that I had when I was working as that STEM teacher, you know, telling the kids at the end, keep in mind, be your best self, be good people and keep on doing it the best you can, where I feel like that somewhat long quote, it's applicable to all of us. I mean, what else can we do right now than the best that we can possibly do? I, I, I you know, I might not do it myself, but I'm always telling other teachers on Twitter and otherwise, give yourself some grace. Are you doing your best? That's the first thing I ask my kids. The first thing I ask, you know, a teacher who might be down at the moment, I go, are you doing your best? Are you doing the best you can at this moment right now? And if a kid is telling me I am, well, I'm going to do my best to take that statement at face value, take it, take it into my heart and say, all right, I believe you. I, I believe that you're doing your best. What can I do now to support you? 
If a teacher's telling me, you know, I'm having a tough time. Are you doing your best? Yes, I am. Well, how about giving yourself some grace and, and realizing that we are in extraordinarily difficult, challenging times. And who knows when it's going to end with, with the mass you know, uh, exodus that's kind of happening in certain districts, in certain schools, in certain areas of the country. So for me, it would be keep on doing it the best you can. If you are giving your best with whatever level of percent you have inside of yourself for that day, I can't ask for anything else of you. So, so that would be my mantra to kind of keep in mind, albeit a little bit long and from an 80s sitcom song. Uh, that would be my mantra that, that I think that if people keep that in mind, they can accomplish great things. Excellent. Great share. Really appreciate that. And the last question, Alex, and maybe soon, I know, I mean, you're, you're definitely growing, you're doing a lot of ad tech and you definitely have a lot to share. So maybe in the near future, you may decide to start clicking record and start doing your own podcast, but let's just assume that today, this is your show and you have one question that you'd like to ask me, what would it be at uh, for me, it, it, you know, you, you've heard my goal of becoming an ed tech specialist. For me, it's just, you know, what would be your best advice? I know that there's a lot of people out there trying to make this transition. I do everything I can to try to separate myself while also providing resources to those same people who are going for these jobs. You know, what would you say would be your best advice for an aspiring ed tech specialist or technology integrationist or tech coach, all the different names we have for them in order to really try to get that first opportunity, get that foot in the door? There we go. So, so, okay. So the first thing to do is number one, obviously you're definitely bringing the heat in the classroom, bringing that passion, that engagement. So you definitely want to provide that same energy and that same level, you know, at the next level, because now you're going to be working with teachers. So the thing is, is document what you're doing, just like you, you're doing, sharing as much as you can on social media. Build a nice portfolio with all of your, you know, of course, your badges, your certifications, all of that great stuff. And then when you're ready to interview, make sure that you just go in there and be yourself, you know, what it is that you're doing. Now, again, I also want you to know that having a no is also an acceptable answer. So please do not get discouraged or say, oh, you know what, I'm not good enough for this. You are. But maybe it's not the right environment for you at that time, or it's not the right timing. But again, I just want to encourage every single one of you that wants to move up in this, in, in this world and be able to support at a greater level and create a bigger impact. You'd be surprised at the impact that you are already doing right now just by sharing on Twitter. And you're already doing a global impact and a state impact and a national impact. So just to be able to have that position too is great because you'll be able to work within your student, within your community. So just be yourself, document, share on Twitter, and just keep on bringing that same passion and energy at the district level. And one thing to be aware of too as well is that sometimes teachers can be very difficult learners as well. So we're going to definitely have to change our mindset with that too as well and our approach. Because I remember when I was in PDs, I was like, oh man, like I'm sitting here and this is what you're teaching me. Sometimes it's like, you know, you got to read the room. You got to understand, improvise, adapt and overcome and just be yourself. So that's the best advice that I can give you. And honestly, you're already doing a phenomenal job. So anybody that is watching, anybody that's listening, any districts nearby, you definitely need to check out what Mr. Alex Isaacs is doing right now at this very moment. And there's definitely a lot of growing that he's still going to be doing. So he's definitely going to be bringing some amazing things to your district. So I'm just throwing it out there, Alex. I'm throwing it out there. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> and, and, and again, you know, you, you're somebody that I look up to so much and, and so many of your guests that I look up to so much. I mean, I, I, I just had such a memorable school year where not only did I do great things at school, but these opportunities that, that have been you know, granted to me, it's just such a, such an amazing thrill. And as I told you in the pre-show, a dream come true. And, and I just can't thank you enough. And I absolutely love the conversation The almost 50 minutes went very quickly. So I know, I hope that people out there watching, I hope that they could take something away and that it went quickly for them as well. Oh yeah, no, definitely. It definitely took a lot of knowledge nuggets from you today, Alex, and I'm just really excited. And we'll talk a little bit after the show, uh, as I have a little something uh, to a proposition for you, but we'll talk about that after the show. But again, thank you so much for this energy, Alex. Please tell our, our audience members right now where it is that they can go ahead and follow you. 
I'm at Mr. I or I'm at Mr. Underscore Isaacs underscore math on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I'm mostly on Twitter providing my resources to everybody. Um, and I would also encourage everybody to check out my Wakelet profile. I think that there's something there for almost everybody, especially math teachers. But there are definitely collections there where if you go to my bio in my Twitter page, my Wakelet, uh, my Wakelet homepage is actually linked right there. So I would encourage people to follow me if you're into math or ed tech or different types of tech tool tips. And I plan on really do trying to share some, some new ways that I'm going to hopefully implement tech next year in the classroom uh, with teachers and with students. So, so follow me on Twitter. I think you'll get a lot out of it. And, and I'm going to definitely use from now on PL, PLF. I'm going to use that because network sounds kind of cold. So for me, I like friends or family with that PLF. I'm going to be using that from now. So I'm going to steal that. There you go. Hey, and that's what it's all about. It's just all <laughs> about family. And that, that's one thing that I love that I kind of switched from network because to me, it's like everybody that I learn from is just, hey, you become family. Like I took something from you that you're sharing and I kind of made it my own or sprinkled into what I'm already doing great. I was like, hey, we're family now. So I love it. And I'm just so glad and so thrilled that you and I were able to connect and have this wonderful conversation as I can continue going on and on because just uh, you definitely have so much to share. But thank you so much again for your time. I really appreciate you all. And for everybody in the chat, I'm going to mention John, Lois, we've got Mel, we've got Amy that joined us and all of those that are going to be re-watching or listening to the episode at a later time. Thank you so much, as always, for making My EdTech Life what it is today. Please make sure that you check out our website at myedtech.life, myedtech.life. Check out all our previous guests, amazing episodes, and you'll be able to connect with the guests there as you will be able to connect with Mr. Isaacs too, because all his information will be on the episode show notes and profile. So check him out, make sure you follow. Also, please make sure that you drop us a review or send us a message, guys. If there's a guest that is out there or somebody that you'd love to see on the show, or maybe you'd love to be on the show, reach out to me, DM me, send me a message through our website. And we'd love to, I'd love to schedule you to be on the show and just to continue to share any awesome sauce that you're you're doing and sharing with the world this is the platform for you as you heard in the beginning of the the show the mission the vision and the passion of my edtech life is to connect educators and creators one show at a time so we can continue to move that education needle forward also guys please check out our merch we've got some brand new merch so i'm really excited we've got caps we've got all sorts of shirts sweaters and i know conference summer conference season is here or just summer lounging is here so if you want to pick up some threads pick them up they definitely help support our show in of course paying the bills and keeping the lights on and of course keeping the the coffee cup full so that way we can continue to bring some creativity and some amazing guests to y'all so thank you as always for your support i really appreciate y'all and we will see you until next saturday we won't have any uh during uh or midweek shows this coming week however i do want to make an announcement on this show is my summer vacation's coming up on June 27th for three weeks. So get ready for a Maya Tech Live, probably podcast marathon, as we will probably be going live three days out of the week for those three weeks and just bringing you some amazing guests. So we're lining those up for you. So I'm excited for that. But as always, thank you so much, my friends. I really appreciate y'all. And until next time, don't forget, stay techie, my friends.